0: Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Abide Bible Club podcast. My name is Mari, and my conversation with Jared Dodd and his son Isaiah regarding the renewal of the biblical family had so many good things packed into it that we decided to split them up into two different podcast episodes. And they're both up and running though right now for you and your family to listen to. As well, you can watch our conversation in its entirety on YouTube, on our channel, Abide Bible Club, because we were doing this over Zoom, so you can go there as well and share it with people, but we hope that this conversation, and we had prayed that it would motivate you, challenge you, encourage you and your family, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Abide Bible Club podcast. Thank you for listening. Each month, brothers and sisters in Christ will share how they abide in the Lord Uh, and remain in the truth of God's word amidst life's many challenges and circumstances. And we pray it encourages you as you listen alongside your family in the hopes that conversations would open up in your home. My name is Mari, and I'm excited. Today, we have Jared Dodd, author, pastor, speaker, and his son Isaiah with us. And um, I will just hand it over to you. Just introduce yourself, share about your ministry, your family, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Sure. Well, thank you, Mari, and thank you to your awesome hubby, Chris. Excited about you guys being married and first year of marriage. Uh, this this uh, month, actually in nine days, my wife and I are going to be celebrating our 18th anniversary. So uh, it flies by, and it's awesome, and it's great. Uh, so yeah, so we are uh, we are about to be the parent of our 10th child. So we've got 10 children. Um, Isaiah's number two, 15 years old. Jared, 16. Five boys, five girls. And for the last 10 years, so. We did pastor up in Wisconsin for about ten years, and now for the last ten years, we have been missionaries to uh, mainly to the U.S., uh, but but even more specifically to homeschool families. We are convinced that the renewal of the biblical family is um, is really the thing that's going to make the biggest difference in the future for this nation for the church. Uh, we are convinced that if you want to have a healthy church, it has to be made up of healthy families. So, kind of our mission, our challenge is to help. Husbands and wives, moms and dads, sons and daughters, uh, walk in the role that God prescribes for in His Word, and so that's really what that's really what we're all about.
0: That's awesome. And the reason why I asked you to come on here and thank you, by the way, for wanting to share, is last year at the North Dakota Homeschool Convention, which is this weekend this year, um, you were the keynote speaker, and you were just sharing that mission, that goal of the renewal of the biblical family. And my husband's family's homeschooled and I was so not familiar with it, but just hearing you share about how it's all pointing back to scripture. It's all how God designed um, and intended that it really solidified my decision to homeschool our future kids someday. And I'm so grateful for um, just the community that there is up here for that kind of uh, family homeschooling, Christian, biblically based. So, um, and I just want to thank you for coming on again. Um, And you said your mission and your passion is the renewal of the biblical family, and that's what we'll be kind of focusing on, um, because there's probably a lot of listeners who aren't familiar with studying this uh, completely. Um, And so we're going to break it into three parts in marriage, in parenting, and for children. But I want to let you share what is um, just, I mean, I guess you kind of shared an overview of the biblical family, but... Um, If you're listening and you live on your own or you don't have kids yet, that's okay. There's something for everyone, um, something everyone could take home with and be challenged with today. Um, But I want you to share what would biblical, the biblical family look like when it comes to marriage specifically.
1: Yeah, so marriage, marriage is really the nucleus of it. I mean, first and foremost is our walk with Christ. But then after that, marriage is marriage is this mysterious union where you have two people and yet they're one. It's kind of like it's kind of like the mystery of the Trinity, except it's two people, and it's humans obviously. And this is this is so often, Mari, where families who are well-intended homeschool families fall short because they have a passion for their uh, for their children and they want to see uh, their offspring follow God, and yet. They fail to recognize that the the first and foremost human relationship of importance is their spouse, mm. and so it's very very difficult uh, to raise children properly if you first don't have a good marriage. Because uh, the marriage you are you are teaching and discipling your children one way or another just in the kind of marriage you have. You know the husband is a picture of Christ. Uh, so, for instance, I want my son to have a proper or a healthy view of Christ. And so if I am, as a dad, am uh, checked out, if I'm negligent, if I'm abusive, if I'm not sincere, if I'm not compassionate, not forgiving, not just, all of these things, then I'm giving him a faulty perception of Christ. And, and likewise, on the other side, the wife is a picture of the church, a picture of the Christian life. And so if she is irreverent, Um, if she is not supportive, if she is not embracing, uh, her role of, uh, supplying help for her husband, then it gives a very skewed Christian life. And so very often parents come to me frustrated about where their children are. And yet the reality is, um, they're setting themselves up for uphill battle because they're, they're, um, they aren't appreciating how important marriage is. Mm. So big deal. Yeah, And that's why, that's why I get fired up about you and Chris, <laughs> because you guys are starting from ground zero, building a strong marriage. And, uh, you guys are the families that we get excited about because there's so much opportunity. So, mm-hmm. um, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And, um, are there any scriptures that you would like to share regarding marriage that you want people to look up and say, like, what are you talking about? You know, cause I know for wives, when they hear you know, Ephesians five about submitting to the husband. They don't want to hear that. Um, But what would you say or or share scripture um, to people who are kind of, oh, I don't agree with the Bible. It's not up to modern times, quote unquote.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, I would argue, look at the fruit of modern times. mm -hmm. Families are falling apart. Women are not happy. I mean, this is one of the lies of feminism is that Mm -hmm. if you're the independent, self-centered CEO that that's going to bring happiness. And those are some, I mean, there's more medication out there than ever before dealing with depression, anxiety, fear. Uh, The most fulfilled women I know are women who embrace their role as wives and moms. Mm. Um, And so I would point to um, Ephesians five, of course, where Paul lays this out. Uh, Peter does an amazing job inspired, of course, by God in first Peter three. Uh, with the role for the woman and, and and how powerful. See, women are powerful. They can be their husband's backbone or, or they can be the husband's kryptonite. Mm. And so uh, they can make them or they can break them. And then of course, Peter talks about husbands living with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them. Uh, but, I, but I would encourage people, if you want to really study in marriage, look at those passages. But I think the story of Ruth in the Old Testament is one of the most beautiful pictures um of husband and wife it's more it's more the wife story because it focuses more on ruth but boaz gives some really good insights and one of my favorite lines is when ruth is lying at his feet and he wakes up and he says who are you and i can't remember the exact word she says but i know in there she's uh she says spread your wing over me for you are my redeemer. And it's just this beautiful, amazing picture. Of course, feminists would have red dots on our four, you know, they would have their laser scopes in, wanting to take us down, but it's honestly worth dying for. I mean, this is, um, this is what's going to make or break our society. Are we going to get serious about what the Bible says? Historically, even the non-Christians walked in a Christian worldview, Historically, even non-Christian women embraced biblical womanhood, wifehood, motherhood, and the men, their roles. And so you had, and this and, and this is what's so shameful, you had non, non-born-again cultures that bore more fruit for God than born-again Christian cultures today. Mm. So the Bible really is, and it does come down to that question, Mari, that you mentioned, do we believe the word of God? If the word of God is not in your mind, inerrant, infallible, all sufficient, then don't pass go. Don't collect $200. You're going to have a really hard time experiencing any kind of, any kind of fulfilling Christian life. So.
0: Yeah. We're going to talk about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood towards the end when we get to the children's section. Um, but I was going to ask, what would you like to say to our listeners who aren't married who are single, divorced or widowed, um, is there anything or any word of encouragement, even though they don't fall into this category or this, you know, what we're talking about, how would you like to encourage them in the roles yeah. that they have?
1: So excellent question. I think a really and hey, you jump anytime you want to. I think that a really powerful, powerful picture is uh like especially to young single people, um, is that in a way you are married in this sense god has someone out there for you and it's not that okay i'm going to wait until i get married and then i'm going to get serious about marriage those marriages don't do very well the reason you and your handsome man chris are having such a good time is because you prepared for this you know in your youth you prepared you learned what it meant to be a woman of god he learned what it meant to be a, a man of god and so to single people out there hey you aren't married, but you still need to be faithful to your spouse before you get married, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And you also need to, uh, you need to be preparing to be the man and woman that you're supposed to be. Set yourself up now for a great marriage. And and those are the kind of like, you know, I'm going to have to marry this guy off someday. (laughs) You know, so what kind of woman is he going to marry? I'm looking for young women who aren't just up for, the United States of entertainment, they Mm. are preparing themselves to be biblical helpmeets. And
0: Mm -hmm. so it should be exciting to be
1: single. I mean, I know they want to get married, but embrace your singleness, let it be a time of preparation, and you'll be all set up.
0: Yeah. And Paul, and Paul says it's a gift from the Lord, because you can do ministry and do things for the Lord in ways that married couples can't because they're, you know, they're worried about things of marriage bills and paying for a house and things like that. So enjoy your singleness now and use it to serve the Lord. But yeah, think of the intent of marriage. Um, I think a lot of young people, um, just want to do it for fun or think, Oh, I need to try it out first, which isn't right. And we'll get to that more later. Um, as we're talking about this, I what or I listened to your, one of your latest episodes on your podcast. Okay. Do you pronounce it the blessed family or the blessed family?
1: We say the blessed family, but you can say blessed. The blessed okay. Say the blessed
0: <laughs> and in the episode, it was titled 12 provisions for a husband, but in it, you said a woman or a wife is called to this. So therefore the husband needs to provide this. And so if you're married or yet to be married, I encourage you to listen to that. Um, the blessed or blessed family podcast, uh, that's their, uh, monthly about podcast, I guess every month or so.
1: My wife would shame me because it's supposed to be weekly. Oh, (laughs) that's why Mari said monthly, because you aren't doing a good job. We're going to try and be more on, on top of that. It's supposed to be weekly.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I was like, oh yeah, another episode. And the latest one was spiritual warfare. So I encourage you to listen to those. Um, anything else about marriage that you want to share before we move on to parenting?
1: Um, no, I, I, well, I would just say marriage is, you know, this is where, this is where we have to unlearn what we've learned because society has taught us, there's a reason why fewer people are getting married and it's because marriage is no longer honored. Girls used to, and you know, this makes me feel old, but I can remember on the playground growing up the big question was what do you want to do when you grow up and i can remember when girls young public school girls wanted to get married they were excited about being moms and wives and so we need to unlearn what we've learned marriage is not a ball and chain marriage is not a burden marriage is a joy and it's great and it's awesome now it's work i mean it's work i'm sure even just your first nine months right you've noticed that hey it's work i mean you have to change and it's work because we are selfish sinful people. And marriage is just a great opportunity to be sanctified. Marriage isn't about the goal of marriage isn't to make you happy. It's to make you holy, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: as you're made holy, there's great happiness in there. So, um, I would encourage young Christian people. Hey, listen, if you are a Christian youth, um, you are the only hope for the future. Christ is going to build his church. He's inviting you to be part of it. And family, marriage is a big deal. So it's time to it's it's time to step up and get serious about the things that God is serious about.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, when you said you know young girls wanted to be married, that was their goal. Um, when I was a in my senior class, economics class, I was public public schooled, and um, I think the first day she had us write on the board our goals in life or whatever. And growing up in a single parent home, I wanted to be married and people were laughing at that. So, um, just shows where the world's at. Um, and a lot of girls are like, I don't need a man or, you know, they think it's a sign of weakness, but it's so beautiful. And God designed it that way for man and woman to complement each other in a way that it sharpens one another to be more like Christ. So. Um, very good stuff that you're sharing. Um, the next section, I guess, of renewing the biblical family is in parenting. And so what would you like to share to start off about parenting and we'll get into questions.
1: Sure. So, you know, parenting is this amazing, sobering responsibility where God entrusts you a soul from the womb that, that is going to exist forever. That is an eternal spiritual creature um that you are responsible for shaping into the person they're going that they're going to become now i'm saying that to scare us because we should i mean well not scare us we aren't supposed supposed to be afraid but we're supposed to be very alert and aware that this is a big deal yeah parenting is your first job and like yeah top goal yeah so if people ask me what i do something i like to say is oh well i'm a dad like oh well no what do you do oh i'm also a husband." No, no, no. What do you do for a living? Oh, well, I write books and speak and stuff like that. But yeah, it's supposed to be excellent point that my son made there is this is this is your greatest. I mean, Christ, Christ didn't have physical children, but he had he had 12 or 11, depending on how you look at it, spiritual children. And he poured his life into them and they changed the world. Um, I love my ministry. I love what we do, but it's nothing compared. It's not about numbers. Okay, so if I minister to hundreds, those hundreds are less important than even if, even if I only had one child, uh, the children and the spouse, of course, come first. So uh, parenting is a huge opportunity um, and um, just some, well, I don't know if you want to get into tips now or later, but let me just throw out a couple. <laughs> it's okay. um, the way that a child spells love is T-I-M-E.
0: Mm, yes.
1: And... Our our society. If you look at society, and Mari, you and I had a similar upbringing in the public school system and all that kind of stuff. Society culture is shaped in a way now to keep us so busy that we really don't spend quality time with each other. I mean, from sunup to sundown, you're away from the house. Everyone going their own way. You come home just long enough to eat in front of a device, and then you get in your own room and look at a device of your choosing. And the and you know homes and and this is what's so sad is. This is Christian homes. Christian homes have been reduced to mere bed and breakfasts where, mm-hmm. you know, you just you just go there to sleep and you get a meal. And so we need to spend time, quality time with our children.
0: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes for families, it can feel like the longest time you're together is when you're sleeping under the same roof together. <laughs> you know, everyone has sports or going to things. Um, everyone's out of the house more than together um i wanted to read a verse that i think you know i know it's towards israel this is when moses um you know got the words from the lord in deuteronomy 6 4 i'm going to read through verse 7 Hear, O israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might and these words that i command you today shall be in your heart verse 7 you shall teach them diligently to your children And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise so it's basically saying all the time you should be teaching to your children and i looked up the blue in blue letter bible the greek word for diligently like sharpening and you know how we're sharpening and wetting a sword for battle as you know like the the blessed is a man whose quiver is full of the arrows that we're shooting out um Anything you want to add to that, uh, those scriptures? I'm trying to remember which Psalm that was, for, or Proverb. Uh, uh, either,
1: that's either Psalm 127 or 128. It's one of those two. Those are two really cool family Psalms right there, back to back. And yeah, children Children are children are supposed to be, I mean, children are an extension of our family ministry. And this is where uh, Kevin Swanson, Rory Groves, they're all doing, you know, there's some people out there doing some great work in the renewal of family economics, Mm -hmm. where the home isn't just a place like you said you sleep the home is a place of education a place of industry a place of work a place of ministry um yeah um i had a point what i lost do you have anything else to say apparently no good so far (laughs)
0: um a question i had or the first one for this section um there's probably a lot of families with working parents i know a lot of families that have that um in their home or a single parent who's working all the time and they're trying to do everything they can to put food on the table. They're, you know, trying to live, live by paycheck, uh, and life just seems busy all the time and it never stops. And they don't think they have time to do things together or, you know, be a family. Uh, What would you like to share with them?
1: Yeah, you know, so Everyone has a different circumstance. And for some men, for instance, they've got to work multiple jobs. They have to work 55 hours a week, really busting their tail to provide. And those men need to be honored. Those men are providers. Those men are men. I mean, that's what it means to be a man. The goal of course, is to get to where we're able to um, obviously we, we need to work. That's commanded by scripture. We need to work. If you don't work, you don't eat, but we also need to get to where we can disciple our children as, as, as much as possible, and this is where the family is God's first choice for shaping souls of people. Uh, but our backup is the church, and so, for instance, with single parents out there, single moms especially, uh, you need to pray that God will provide men, elders—you know, men who are who are godly men who you can trust the souls of your children with, where they will come and they will disciple them. Um, and you know, this 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 goes into a uh, that. Specific question goes into a tangent uh, that we could talk about some other time, but scripture is very clear that the church is supposed to be taking care of those single moms. You know, the whole idea of a single mom having to go out and work. No, not if she's a Christian mom. No, her church is supposed to be providing for her. You know, her husband was the covering of provision and uh provision you know um uh protection provision and if he is absent then the church needs to step in but but this is where we need to we need to pull our resources together and help each other um so if you're if you're and and also and you know this is where to each their own i can't speak to every circumstance out there but maybe for some couples i know it's a question of their budget do you want do you want more drywall or do you want more time with your children Mm. Do you want more square footage? Do you want more furniture or do you want time with your children? Vacations. Um, so, yeah, vacations exactly. So you know, uh this is where we need to prioritize once again. Our culture has shaped has shaped us in a way where we love going into debt. Well, we don't love going into debt, but we love stuff. And we're willing to go into great debt. We're willing to strap ourselves down to a 55-hour week, dual income lifestyle and I think that generally speaking it's very safe to say that is often not necessary. Often we need to repent, we need to do whatever we can. I would much rather live in meager conditions and be able to minister to my children than live in a mansion and mm-hmm. be a slave. You know, America has the happiest slaves in the world. <laughs> we are we are we are slaves to paying for all this stuff when this right here is the greatest inheritance we have. So
0: mm. It's good. Um, there are parents out there who probably don't feel equipped to teach the Bible to their children. Um, or maybe they like the idea of homeschooling, but they don't think they have the patience. And I can say for myself, because I don't know what it's like. And, you know, I don't think I'm going to have the patience, but God's going to help me in that. Um, even though they like these ideas and they want to do it, what word of encouragement do you have if they put something else? before that?
1: Sure. So this, and I say this in grace and love, but I say it with confidence in scripture. Hey, parents, guess what? God has qualified you to teach your children because he commands you to do it. I mean, God, God doesn't say parents, if you feel like you're able train up your children, Mm -hmm. he says, parents, you train up your children. So you are qualified. For instance, I'll just encourage Mari and Chris, uh, (laughs) right now that, Once you start having children, you know, whole bundle of them, just a plethora of children right around the corner. Once you start having these kids, uh, no one is more qualified than you to teach them. Now you'll say to me, but Jared, there's people who are smarter or there's people who know more about whatever subject it is. Well, of course, there's always someone smarter, but you are the most qualified for three reasons. One, because no one loves your children more than you do. Two, no one knows them better than you do. And three... God has ordained you. And this is where parents who get this wrong, they end up looking back, seeing where seeing where they went wrong because they lose their children's heart and they realize, well, let me say it this way. So I was a youth pastor, much like I think you worked with youth for years. And I worked with youth also for years because, you know, we both had the passion. We just didn't know any, you know, we didn't know what the word God, you know, what the word of God said about church and about family and things like that. But I think you probably had a similar experience that many of the youth I ministered to, if they were getting it from mom and dad, it's stuck. Mm -hmm. But if they weren't getting it from mom and dad, it was very, very rare. Mm -hmm. So parents, God brings your children into the world with their hearts attached to yours. And so they are going to follow your lead. And the idea, this is very important. The idea that you can opt out of training your children. No, you are going to train them regardless. You're either training them with a biblical worldview or a not the. Your silence and neglect is training and discipling them. So you are going to disciple them. You might as well do it God's way. And so.
0: Yeah. I was in youth group throughout high school. And then I was a junior high youth group leader for six years. And I always felt, and even sometimes now, being moved away from California, that it's my responsibility to keep them in the faith because I don't think there's anyone else doing it uh, or training them up. And it's really sad. And I'm not speaking. I know I have a lot of parent friends who might watch this or listen. Um, And there are the few kids who I knew that it would stick, but then there's all those kids who I love dearly and I have discipled them. And then I've seen them walk away completely because the world is just eating them up, like the seed that gets choked out by the worries of the world. Um, And that's actually the next question I have for you, actually. Um, What if there's a parent listening whose child, or if the child is listening, where the opinions, worries, desires of the world matters more, such as their parents, social media, phones, than wanting to know God or living for Jesus or reading the Bible? What would you want to say to that child or to that parent of the child?
1: So let me, well, I'm not sure which to address more. Let me go ahead and address. I'll try and address both at the same time. What both parent and child need to understand is there is a battle raging over the child's soul and the parent's soul. And it's a battle of ideas. It's a battle of worldviews. And uh, Satan is the great deceiver. That's his name. He can't change the truth. He can't change the fact that Jesus is Lord. He can't change the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He can't change the fact that God will never abandon you or forsake you if you're his child. Uh, So what he does is he lies and he has gotten, I mean, internet, of course, internet can be a blessing. We're both using that right now, (laughs) but uh, internet, smartphones, social media, especially has been a great tool for the enemy uh, to just rip the hearts and minds out of young people. So young people, you know, those old songs that we used to sing growing up, be careful of the lies, what you see Be careful, little ears, what you hear, you know, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, scripture says not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The whole battle is here. Mm. Uh, Hey, here's some things that I think your listeners will find interesting, if not fascinating. The average American spends two and a half hours a day on social media. That's not internet. That's just social media, two and a half hours a day. That means every 10 years, that's one and a half years of awake time. In 40 years, that's six years of awake time. And it's six years that by and large is doing very little good, if any. But it's really, ter- I mean, I am, I am scared for the upcoming generations in the sense of, I mean, social media is just the beginning. We are, we are kind of like our parents or our, or our grandparents were back in the 60s with black and white TVs thinking, oh, this is cute there's only three channels and there's only a few shows. They could have never imagined of a, um, a, a TV screen as big as a table hanging on the wall with a thousand channels. And now we think, oh, Facebook, that's cute. Well, pretty soon it's going to be the metaverse, right? It's going to be the goggles you put on. And, you know, now I walk in a waiting room at the orthodontist with my kids, for instance, and I look around and everyone's on phones just doing this. It's mm-hmm. almost like a like a sci-fi movie, right? Sorry, this is a tangent, but I think it—I think it's important. Yeah. And they're just sitting there like this. Pretty soon, we're going to walk into waiting rooms and everyone's going to have these goggles on being in these virtual worlds, or I mean, even at dinner tables. And so this is where parents, its it's hard. We have to be very diligent and we have to question everything in light of scripture. But I would say to the youth, if you are not proactively fighting against the the schemes of the enemy this world is going to chew you up and spit you out right into the fires of hell Hmm. i mean bottom line there's a narrow path and a broad path the narrow path there's few people and yet many people think they're on there so that means there are many people who think they're on there and they aren't what is your number one devotion if it is not jesus christ you need to seriously question whether or not you're born again And parents, if at the earliest age, like this is why Mari, I'm excited about you and your family, because you guys are starting out from scratch. And so you're going to choose what the culture of your home is, Mm -hmm. or, you know, what, what, uh, what role are screens going to have? What role is sports going to have? What role are friends down the street going to have in your home? Mm -hmm. And you're going to choose that culture. And my heart breaks for parents because well-intended homeschool Christian parents are losing their kids because the battle is raging, and it's it's a it's a serious battle. So we need to question everything in light of Scripture. We need to take apologetics and worldview of greater importance than trigonometry, spelling, and and uh, physics. And we need to teach children how to think, so that they are not taken down so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most conservative colleges in Texas is Texas A and M. And a homeschool mom was telling me that she took her daughter there because her daughter wanted to go there. And she took her there and the, um, there was a senior in college that was their chaperone or their guide. Mm-hmm. And she gave her testimony and this was the testimony and it made this mother just cringe. She said, I am, uh, I'm the youngest of seven children. I was raised in a homeschool family and I came here to college and they taught me evolution. And I realized that everything I had been taught was wrong. This was right. And now I'm happy. I'm a lesbian. I love my life. I'm liberated from the shackles of whatever. And it was just, I mean, it was just insane. This was a girl who was raised in probably a really good Christian homeschool family, but she wasn't prepared. She wasn't equipped. She wasn't discipled and trained on how to think. Mm. And I mean, that just breaks my heart into a thousand pieces. I mean- I I can't imagine a worse circumstance than losing my children to the mm-hmm. ways of this world. So we need to we need to take God at his word. He says this is a serious battle. He says that only a few make it. We need to live like we're refugees in Afghanistan with snipers on every rooftop and prepare our children to go into battle. Not to just bunker down, I mean when they're young shoots, you need to bunker down with them and but once they have roots, you need to equip them where they can fight the good fight of faith. Mm-hmm.
0: And you mm-hmm. talked about that on the spiritual warfare episode that you did recently about, you know, what is it that you believe, you know, and is that your foundation? Or are you going to be like the man who built his house on the sh- shifting sand? You know, it's, it's happened a lot. I've seen a lot of people um, go through that, uh, whether it's a parent or a child. And it just breaks my heart because, um, you know, you invest so much of your time into the kids for me, like at church. And then I just, you know, I can't imagine how the parents feel. Um, but I hope, you know, that they don't blame themselves. It's the enemy. It's the enemy doing this. And, um, but you have a part as the parent to heavily influence them and set them on the narrow path, uh, even though it's more difficult. Um, but it leads to life and life abundant Um, thank you for sharing all of that Um, my mother-in-law Joanne wants to ask in general with raising kids would you do anything different and I just want to say something real quick when I met my husband's family um, I was raised on movies and music and you know all that. And so I would bring up, you know, so-and-so and and they didn't know who that was because they would only do a movie like once a week as a family. And that's the only TV time they had. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so different. Um, But I realized like knowing celebrities and all that doesn't really matter because we're all going to die someday. And what's truly going to matter is if, we get to see Jesus face to face, you know, or we get to go the other way, which I don't want to go to. So, um, but focusing on what truly matters and, um, screen time is definitely playing a role into that, unfortunately. Um, but anyway, back to the question in general with raising kids, would you do anything differently?
1: Excellent question. First thing I want to say to your mother-in-law is rock on. You got a great daughter-in-law. You chose well for your for your son. Well done. Good job. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, yes, there is, uh, there are things, but by the grace of God, which I'm sure, I mean, well, let me just say this disclaimer. I am deceived at some area. I don't know what I'm deceived in. Cause if I did, I would try to change it, but I'm sure I'm going to look back with regret in many areas, but by the grace of God, as we've been on this journey and we realize we were doing something wrong we try to change so like for instance this guy and his older brother were raised on video games you know because we didn't know any better so I was a Nintendo junkie uh by the way kids well you don't need to know what uh, Nintendo is uh (laughs) speaking about movies and stuff I take pride when my kids don't know who an actor or an actress is I just I just love that that makes me feel like I'm doing a good job (laughs) <laughs> but um, close that door for All right. um, but yeah. So we, you know, we got convicted about video games. So we made a change. You know, we were like, and we we uh, we sat down our children and we were like, hey, we've been going this way, and now we see it's wrong. So now we're going to go this way. And then a few years later, so that would have been around 2011, 12, and 2013, we got convicted about movies. Because, you know, my wife and I were both a typical public school, you know, just Christian, you know, Christian kids. And so we sat down with the family and we said, hey, we've been going this way. We realized that wasn't a good idea. We're going to go this way. Um, so so we've had we've we've had regrets, but we try to nip it. Right. But, you know, I'm sure if you ask me in 10 years, I'm going to say, yes, we didn't see it until now. My kids are already grown. But let me just encourage parents whose children are 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 older or who are even out of the house, it's never too late. And this is why, because it's a multi-generational vision. So I'm sure that there's going to be things that I don't see until Isaiah, my son right here is already married with kids that I wish I would have done in his life that I didn't, but it's not too late. Cause I can go to him humbly and say, Hey, I just want to lay this at your feet. I realized that I did this and I should have done this. And so obviously you now are the head of your home, not me. So I'm putting this at your feet. You incorporate it whether you, or not you want to. And I've, you know, I've seen this. I've seen grandparents turn the ship of their family around with their grandchildren, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, it is never too late to turn the ship around. Uh, parents, be humble. If you see something wrong, this happens almost, I feel like it happens weekly in our home. I sit down, all the kids, I say, hey, dad's messed up mom's messed up. We should have done this. I take full responsibility. Are you guys with me? They're like, yeah. And we make a change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're always, you know, uh, family is kind of like a person. You're going to have issues and you're going to wrestle with stuff and you need to be sanctified and you need to repent and believe. And so it's an up and down battle. You know, it's a journey, but don't be afraid to confess your shortcomings. There's no one to impress, forget about that kind of pride and uh confess repent and make changes with your family
0: and even though it's it may not necessarily be sin but jesus says you know cut off your hand pull out your eye um but it can lead to it or just the influence of the temptation to look at things that are not biblical you know the movies and video games we watch uh it can cheapen the value of life um or with you know marriage with love story in the movie it can uh, turn it totally in a way that's not ac- actually real and so then our kids will expect that to happen to them um, so there's lots of ways that it can lead towards a d- downward path but I love that you're you know you're confessing your wrongdoing before your kids and you're doing that that's awesome.